this is Courtney Matsoki from Azuro Dream Travel, and this is Locali. In this episode, we travel down an ancient road connecting the largest hilltop village in Tuscany, Monte Pulciano, to the village of Monte Folonico, where, just outside of its gates, set amongst fruit trees, flowers, vineyards, and olive groves, stands a 12th century historic olive mill, seemingly standing guard over the medieval village. Benvenuto a Rolle La Chiusa, an incredible 18-room boutique inn and garden-to-table restaurant built on a love for simplicity, slow travel, and creating unforgettable, unique experiences in the heart of Tuscany that will make you leave feeling like a local. So I would like to welcome George and Linda of Rolle La Chiusa and Cook in Tuscany. Ciao, benvenuto. <laughs> Ciao. Ciao. It's nice to be here. <laughs> nice to meet you. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to be here. First, we'll just kind of talk a little bit about your background. George, you were a pilot and Linda, like me, actually an educator. Um, <laughs> yeah. You were high school sweethearts. Did you ever dream that one day you would be living this dream? Not at all. <laughs> Not even our furthest dreams. <laughs> yes, yes. You're both originally from New Orleans. And Linda, from the first time I wrote you, I felt your warm Southern hospitality. Um, New Orleans is arguably the maybe culinary capital, could I say, of the United <laughs> States with its own food culture, Cajun and Creole yes. cuisine, having influences from Europe and Africa. I could see growing up in the South in such a vibrant, unique place rooted in traditions may have helped deepen your appreciation for and connection to a similar way of life in Italy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So how has your upbringing influenced your business philosophy? Well, I've been coming from New Orleans, both George and I, we, we lived only about a mile and a half apart growing up, but both of our families were really into the food culture in the sense of tradition because anybody was welcome at your table. There was always enough for another person. And Sitting around the table and having a meal always was like an equalizer. Everybody was comfortable. Everybody was happy. You could just share that meal together and connect during the day. And we really brought that to our our tables here at Lacusa and Cook in Tuscany. Yes. I mean, yes, if you're in New Orleans, it is uh, about food. It is about food. It really is. Uh, you know, and, but then again, I mean, I always say that... Um, when you go to the Grand Canyon, you really don't talk about the Grand Canyon. You talk about that great restaurant you ate at that overlooked the Grand Canyon. That's right? true. That's true. In a lot of ways, food unites us, and um, we remember our experiences. Though. Food is also an experience. So that's part of what we really, our philosophy is. It's an experience from, you know, being able to come and we welcome you into our kitchen, even though we have professional chefs cooking here at, the, at La Cusa. You're welcome to come in and look, and you're welcome. You'll see the big fish coming or the pasta making going on. And it's an experience from the minute it leaves the kitchen to the minute it hits your table, your eyes, your senses. It's really important. It is important. And I think it's the way, it is a way that you can really share an authentic side, the authentic cuisine side of Italy uh, with travelers as well. So moving from New Orleans cuisine, um, you guys have created a Michelin-rated garden-to-table restaurant at La Cusa with a local Tuscan chef where you respect traditional Italian cuisine, but also bring some innovation at the same time. And of course, simplicity, fresh local seasonal produce is essential in Italian cooking. Um, and it seems to be at the heart of your philosophy as well. 
for example, I love that you guys use your own olive oil from your yes. olive grove <laughs> at the restaurant. So what are some traveler favorites on the menu? And maybe some personal ones as well. Well, you know, um, there really is nothing like going down um, into the olive room, bringing my bottle and just turning on the spigot. It's like a water hose. <laughs> I'm just pouring out my fresh olive oil from this year and you know, I'm cooking with it. I mean, really, there isn't. I'm, I'm from South Louisiana, so I hope nobody's listening because they're going to beat me up. But, you know, I'm kind of an olive oil snob, a wine snob, and a coffee snob, you know, just by being around it. So much good stuff over there. Yeah. Everything's amazing. Well, but really in the restaurant, everybody loves the traditional pasta, which is pichy. And um, it's the long ribbons that the ladies here in the village make every day for their families. And um, it's always topped with a delicious sauce. But unlike us in the United States or North America, when pasta's on the plate, it's about the pasta. And the sauce is just a compliment. We don't big, put big scoops of sauce on top of the pasta. We want to taste that fresh pasta that we make really from the flour that is just milled right down the road. So everything is made right here in our valley. Yeah, and it's, um, it's really about tasting your food. Yes. There's not 10,000 ingredients. You can actually taste the four or five ingredients that are in your food. And I noticed that you guys also offer some artisanal beers, Italian beers. So I like that you mentioned that on your website because Italian artisanal beers are a bit of an insider's secret. A lot of people don't know that a bit like their wine, Italians have, well, let's see, since the 1990s been kind of slowly creating these artisanal beers to be paired with specific foods and dishes. So Absolutely. that was really cool. Yeah, it's really neat because we have a couple here in the Valley and we've connected with these people who are local people. And we try to do special events here at the restaurant. George's favorite night is when they get to do the beer tasting and hamburger night. <laughs> hamburger. <laughs> yes, we do a hamburger night, which is, you know, I, we don't do the hamburger night at the request of Americans. The Italians actually want hamburger night. So it's a big <laughs> local thing. They have hamburgers, beer, and French fries. Everyone loves it. All the Italians come out. We also have an experience here at the hotel, though, where we offer our guests to visit these artisanal um, breweries where they can taste different kinds of beers that are being um, made right here in the Valkiana. So it's nice. Oh, that is really a neat experience. Now, La Cusa is a stunning 18-room boutique inn where you can indulge in a tranquil, peaceful Tuscan lifestyle while learning a lot about the region's passion for food and, of course, having fun, right? So what are some experiences that you offer travelers looking for fun um, but who also want to learn about the area's unique culture? And you might include your other business, Cook in Tuscany. Well, that is true. There's a lot of cooking, but I would tell you, when you're talking about Tranquil, um, we have a pretty darn good view. For the back. <laughs> I mean, we look out at, um, you know, to the west, we look at Lake Trasimino. Then we look right across the valley to Montalcano. Then we've got the big uh, dormant volcano, Mount Amiata. Then right around, swing around to Pienza and Montalcino. So <laughs> that's all from the backyard, that view. So it is pretty tranquil and looking over the pool and looking out there. And then, of course, you're looking over the thousands of olive trees out there. So it's incredible to, to watch that. It yes. is. You can really, I tell people all the time, be careful. Because if you're sitting out by the pool and you're looking at that view, you might get lost for hours. <laughs> because it's just incredible to look out there and see um 
just a beautiful valley and these ancient buildings. It's, it's just really a beautiful place. Yes, it is absolutely stunning. The name, La Cusa, I read on your website. It has a really interesting history, and I thought I'd give you an opportunity to talk about um, how you decided on this name. Well, well, I love history. I really do. And we live in history here. I mean, this place goes back to the 300s. Our land was owned by a Roman soldier. So think of that. I mean, incredible history. And it goes, turned into an olive mill, a kitchen, a collective kitchen. Before that, it was a, a guard post to collect taxes and protect the, the hilltop village. But along the way, being an olive mill and a factory, it was enclosed by thousands of olive trees encircled. So it was enclosed, which in Italian is La Cusa, the closed. So that is where the name came from. And it was an, a working olive factory from, what, the 1400s, 1500s, up until about 1972. So it's quite interesting. We still have a thousand olive trees that we overlook towards the valley. Of course, the ones on the other side, so we have half a circle now. <laughs> of course, this podcast, we like to, and for our business as well, Azura Dream Travel, we focus a lot on sustainable travel. And so a question that I like to ask business owners is what is your definition of sustainable or slow travel? And how do you think that travelers gain a more authentic experience by supporting local businesses with this philosophy? Well, our number one philosophy is supporting local businesses. We do everything here locally in both of our businesses, whether it's Lacusa or Cook in Tuscany. Um, we always go to the, to the source first instead of a you know, a big company or big wineries. We go to small wineries that we know that are doing things in a clean, responsible way. Exactly. So we might not buy our carrots that are organic, but we know who produced the carrots. So we're very careful about what we put in the kitchen for Lacusa and for the um, cooking school. But also we, it, when our guests come, the number one thing we want them to do is to be able to just relax and get away from the outside world. We have little signs everywhere that say unplug, 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 because when you slow down and when you start seeing the things, just like a farmer walking down the street yesterday, I watched a, a gentleman that lives close by, you know, he was getting some hay and things out of our, out of our vineyard. And he's just walking up. When you do that, you become engaged in the local culture and to me that's really what's important about slow travel you know sustainability of course is important we try to stay away from the normal things like plastics we have water machines everywhere with glass bottles that are reused um, we encourage our guests to please not bring plastic or individually wrapped type things but really it's about engaging with the locals and stopping and slowing down and using the resources that we have right here now, moving on to location, everything is about location, especially for travelers who hesitate to kind of go off the beaten path. A lot of people who maybe haven't traveled uh, much before, they get worried to maybe, well, you know, I only have a week to travel, um, especially Americans when we don't have a lot of vacation time. So what might you say for new and experienced travelers about the ease of accessing your accommodations? For example, Monte Folonico is a village in Tuscany in central Italy. So maybe you can discuss your location and kind of the ease of access for travelers from maybe the main travel hubs like Rome 
uh, Milan or Florence even. So. Well, the great thing about Monofilonico is we are not on a tourist path. So <laughs> we are not on the interstate, and that's what makes it so great. You only come to Monofilonico if you're looking for Monofilonico. <laughs> and that's part of its charm, and that's part of how it comes so great, because it really hasn't changed since the 1200s. <laughs> so we, I mean, we've got an ATM machine in the last 20 years, but really not a lot. There's not a lot of tour stuff. So it's quite amazing when you come and you walk the streets. It's like you're in a movie set. Um, as far as ease, I mean, you know, all of Europe's very easy. And most of our guests either fly in the, you know, to Florence or in Rome. They take the train or they can have a private driver. In fact, um, for Cook in Tuscany, our guests arrive on a, a Sunday and leave on Saturday. I'm always at that train station at 2 p.m. on Sunday and we're meeting all our guests. And we're, you have a bus and we bring them back to the hotel. And then on Saturday morning, we bring them back to the train station. But then again, we have a lot of people who rent cars and drive yeah. around and, you know, have drivers well, and stuff. Because the queues are really, although we really, you have to be looking for Monofilonico to find Monofilonico, we are very fortunate that we are really only about eight kilometers from Montepulciano, about seven from Pienza, about 25 or 30 from Monticino. So we are really centrally located, but hidden. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yes, we have, I mean, Florence is an hour, mm -hmm. Siena is 45 minutes, mm -hmm. Cartona, which is under Tuscan Sun, is 45 minutes away, so yeah, we're right in the middle of everything. Oh, one of my favorite movies and books, of course, <laughs> you know. It's a great movie. It's so wonderful. Um, so, yeah, you guys really are located kind of in the heart of wine country, and of course, one of my favorite spots is, and a lot of people don't know about it, is the Bagno Vignoni. Um, I, <laughs> yes, I have the best memories of there just uh, sitting in the running spring water with my feet along the hillside overlooking this incredible view. And also, of course, you guys are really near a lot of the Brunello di Montalcino, the wineries, which, of course, are some of my favorites. So Absolutely. it's, you know, yes. not only I think are you guys, you know, located well as far as traveling from other um, more international travel hubs, but you guys are also really nicely located for traveling from there. For example, if someone wants to stay with you for a week, there's so much that they can see just nearby. There is plenty to do just right here, um, very close to us within a couple of kilometers. We really have fantastic wineries for the Vino Noble, Montepulciano, we're close to the Brunello. And the good thing is, we can send you to some really great friends that have all of these wineries who really are locally producing world-class wines. And it's incredible for you to go to these places because some of them, I mean, are sixth and seventh generation winemakers. Um, this land's been in their family for hundreds of years. Yeah, I mean, we have one friend, um, his, he has the paper written and signed mm -hmm. uh, by Napoleon ordering Italian wine for his troops from That's the right. winery. It's right here in Montevallonico. Yeah. So it's oh, wow. really great to be uh, to be part of the local scene. And as I tell people, I always say, George, I want to buy wines. And I tell them, well, I, my suggestion is to buy wines you can't get in the United States. And there's Absolutely. So many of them here, right? So, so many. Mm -hmm. Yes. Let's talk scenery a little bit. Um, we were talking about that just a minute ago. Um, and it kind of reminds me, uh, when Mario and I lived in the village of Monte Chiaro along the Amalfi Coast, our home was perched on a cliff overlooking a, the sea. And I used to joke that our basil was growing uh, that was growing on my balcony had the best view in the house. 
uh, it was always really happy in the sun and surrounded by <laughs> olive and lemon trees and facing the Mediterranean with a clear view of Mount Vesuvius. Even at night, the twinkling lights of Naples kept it company. So your 1,000-tree olive grove, 300-year-old trees, which is just hard to grasp, their view is pretty spectacular. So I would love for you guys to give our listeners a moment to kind of dream about that view. Well, it's quite it's quite amazing because it is a dream. We've been here, gosh, over 10 years, and I still take pictures every day of the same things. And it's from the front, uh, if you're dining with us outside, you have a great view of the mountains and the sunsets are incredible. And the sunrise off the back with the light off the lake is incredible. But if you can just close your eyes and imagine for just a minute, we have these beautiful picnic baskets that people bring out to our olive grove and throw out a blanket and they take out a bottle of wine and they sit and they watch as the olive trees are kind of blowing in the wind and in the far distance you can see the huge temple of San Biagio that's 500 years old. And truly, you just can lay on that blanket and just really dream Tuscan. Yes. So, and you know, it's funny that you mentioned your picnic basket experience because that is, for me, I really connected to that. It's such a nice, thoughtful touch. It's something that we love to do as well, kind of have spontaneous picnics with our travelers when we're going uh, from place to place. But what are some of the nearby places, even on your property, where you think a picnic is just the perfect outing? Well, definitely in our olive grove is the best. Definitely in the olive grove. We also have a table and chair set up down there where we have pasta in the olive grove. So big bowls of pasta and underneath the trees looking out over the view. But the traveling picnic basket really goes, we, we see families, we see couples, we see singles, putting them in the back of their cars and taking off for the day. Because really, Tuscany is such a beautiful place that you can just sit on the wall of Pienza and open that basket and you're seeing gorgeous views of Val d'Orcia, you're seeing the, the villages walk by. So the traveling picnic basket really there's no bad place to take a picnic. <laughs> That's <laughs> I, true. There's some great restaurants, but I can tell you still one of my best lunches I've ever had in Tuscany was sitting on a wall in Montalcino, slicing tomatoes <laughs> and salami and fresh with bread. fresh bread and a bottle of water. And Lynn and I just sitting there <laughs> and just overlooking the valley and eating lunch. And that's yeah. still one of my top lunches. Right. It's always the simple moments of when we really connect with the culture. Those are the ones that we always remember. Um, and so moving on to a little bit more serious topic, um, I wanted to kind of approach this question with you guys, because with the rise and boom of Airbnbs, claiming to give travelers a more authentic travel experience by providing them with the ability to, quote, live anywhere, it's also in some ways giving hotels a bad rap. What many people don't realize is that when you stay in an Airbnb, many property owners may not live in the country, which is one, not so great for the local economy. Two, it can be difficult for quality control at times. Um, and three, it's really contributed to a um, substantial rise in the cost of living for locals. So I'd like to address this because boutique ends and hotels are owned by locals, people who live in the area where you are staying and who know the area very well. They're owned by locals, families, even for some generations. So in your opinion, how is staying in a boutique hotel a more authentic experience than maybe staying in an Airbnb? 
Well, I know Linda has some great thoughts on here, but I'll just add to that is we employ local employees from the village. So we are all well versed in the area and we're friends and we send people to people, our friends to do business with. So you are getting something that we know, something that we have a connection to when we send you there or we talk about it with you. Well, but truly coming to a small town really is getting a personal experience. When you, last night, my daughter, my, our daughter Whitney worked with us and she and I waited up outside by the reception till 1030 to welcome the guests who got stuck in traffic and needed to get here and was tired. So you're not really necessarily getting that personal attention when you're picking an Airbnb that maybe the owners or the operator might live across the world or not there. But I think more important than anything with our hotel, especially, we are really tuned in to the experience. And we're here. If if the hot water isn't working, George is down there making sure you get it. If you need water, if you need this, if you need that. And we're here to suggest really good things that we have personally done. It's not just a book that says this is a good restaurant or, hey, take this tour. We know the tour operator. So if they don't do a good job, they have to deal with us, not just, oh, I got a, eh, it was an okay thing. So we think it's about personal touches and personal right. experiences. Definitely. And we have uh, very high expectations of the people we work with. So Absolutely. It has to be a great experience and you have to know customer service. And know. authentic, and be authentic. Definitely. Uh, you know, we, we aren't recommending anyone that comes here, unless they're asking for it, to go with a big giant tour bus or something else. We're offering that local authentic person that lives right here. Right. And that's very important for, you know, supporting authentic travel experiences. Kind of along the same lines, I'd love your opinion on some of maybe the environmental effects of mass tourism on Italy or maybe Tuscany in specific. Um, how has this maybe affected the authenticity of the area? And how has this inspired you to create more authentic, sustainable experiences? Well, first of all, we are we live in an area that is very strictly monitored. So we can't even cut off a tree branch without permission. We can't put up a different umbrella, anything. So we're very fortunate that in this area with the UNESCO heritage site right down the street and that we don't have a lot of problems with um, trash or anything like that or buildings that are being built or cars or modern things. So we're fortunate in that sense. And we're fortunate that everyone here really respects the rules. So although mass travelers do tend to cause a little bit more um, environmental issues with the big buses and, you know, everything coming around, we're fortunate in this area that we're, we're not experiencing too much of that. And we personally are trying to, we, we garden here, we use our you know glass bottles, reusable things. We do not use things that we can't. Um, reuse again. Yeah. yeah, it's um, you know, it's it's authentic, and when you have a thousand people, you've been you're talking about Bagno Vignoni. You don't want to show up there when there are three buses of tour tour buses there. No, it's not a good experience. <laughs> no. In fact, I tell people some of our. In fact, I know 
that for a fact that some of our best days have been when it's raining, pouring down raining, and we're all walking in the rain with our umbrellas, and there's no one on the streets, and it's just incredible. I mean, you, you know, you're the only person on, you know, on earth at that point, it feels like. So. It's a double-edged sword, though. You, you don't want to see all these giant buses coming in. Now, we don't get the big giant buses here in Monofalonica, but you do get them in Pienza and different villages. As much as you don't want to see that, because it tends to be a little overwhelming environmentally and, you know, so forth, the other, the flip side of the, of the coin is you do want people to come, not just because they, for economic reasons, but because... It's beautiful, and you want them to experience yeah. it too. So you got it. You got away both sides. It, it has become one of our passions, and we didn't realize it when we started. Was that we want people to experience this so they can go back and tell people about it. We want people to go back. I tell them, I can't tell you the way it, Italy does this, but I can tell you exactly the way we do it here. This is exactly how we make wine, and you can see for yourself how you do it. So when you go back. You didn't stay at the Hilton or Ramada. You were in there and you were actually with the winemaker. You're with the chef, with the Nona doing that. So it's it really is important to us to, that people bring that back. And, and when I say bring it back, not just the knowledge, but the emotional and you know, intellectual feeling that comes with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Creating those human connections, you know, with locals. I think, you know, our philosophy as well is that it, creates the most the deepest travel memories the ones that you really remember for the rest of your life and it does give you a lot of you know a passion to share that with others and it um, what you just said kind of leads to my next question uh, about why sustainable travel and I know you said it was a double-edged sword but why is sustainable travel important right now uh, well always but especially right now um, from what we've seen in the last year um, with COVID um, what's happened in Italy all over the world why might you think that it is very important at this moment for people to kind of start thinking of a new way to travel? I think people have already started to think about a new way to travel. The day Italy opened on May 15th, I mean, we were just bombarded. I mean, the hotel has been full. People are coming from the States. People are coming from Cat. I mean, it's just really, but if you, I noticed just the difference in the people who have already come just in this short season already. They are appreciating things more than they did a year and a half or two years ago. So the families that are here or the couples that are here, we had a couple here for a couple of days. And normally you see people who jump in a rental car or they get a drive and they go out and they see everything. And then we see them at night for dinner and they're tired. Now I've noticed that you know, today they were like, no, we're just going to hang here and we're going to sit by the pool and play some lawn games. We have a bunch of lawn games out for people. And they just, they're slowing down themselves and appreciating the freedom to travel. So I think they're really policing themselves and they're appreciating yeah. it. We don't have to do it. <laughs> I think that for the time being, I mean, only time will tell with people, it's a, I don't know if it's a different traveler or people are different mm -hmm. because they, we really have noticed that definitely. And this is a lot different now than it was last year. Absolutely. Because we opened for a couple of months. Um, it's definitely a different attitude. Absolutely. This year. And people are excited. 
They're excited to be traveling. They're excited to try new foods. They're, we had one couple that came and the wife was like, you know, I am just not an outside of a box eater. But I'm going to let the chef pick whatever he wants and I'm going to taste everything. And I was like, huh, now that's really, that, that is really growth yeah. because she's like, I'm ready to experience the world. Right. Yeah, it's really good. So, yeah, so we can, uh, I don't have anything but good things to say it's about the way people are, are acting and the way and people are approaching them. Because it's truly a newfound appreciation. So sustainable travel is, it seems like it's taking care of itself, <laughs> at least for right now. I think right. it is. Yeah, I do think that people are um, thinking like it, it has been around for some years where people really want that off the beaten path experience. But I think a lot of people, especially if you aren't used to traveling a lot, maybe abroad, you know, you hesitate and you, you aren't sure how to do it. And I think that's why a lot of people end up taking larger group tours. Um, right. And so I think it's great, for example, what, what you do, what we do, where we really try to show that authentic side of a country of a culture to other people um, and then hopefully make them think about like um, a different way of traveling to maybe what they're used to in the past. Yeah. And they make a connection, a real authentic connection with, with the people, with the place, with, with the food, with everything. It's really a connection that they're making. Robert Frost, which of course is a very well-known American poet. He said, quote, Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. You've probably heard that quote. So <laughs> where do you think your roads diverged? And how have you taken the less traveled road in business, maybe in life? <laughs> oh, well, you know, know well, <laughs> what's interesting in life, because, I mean, we moved 12 times in 20 years. We left New Orleans, you know, being a pilot, being in the military, went everywhere, mm -hmm. and settled in the Washington, D.C. area and had very nine to five, well, actually, like, from five <laughs> in the morning to ten at night jobs, Yeah, you know, doing that corporate thing and all that. And so we were very much the same as everyone else, right? And we did find a new life and we just did. rediscovered. We did. I think there's something inside you that, and I really... The people that come and spend a week here with us at Cook in Tuscany, it's one of the things that I really, I don't want to say the word preach, but I really talk about a lot is you really need to find your passion and you need to live it. And I mean, we found ours and we're very fortunate that our family was very supportive and we just jumped in and our road was less traveled by most. Not many people just pack up and say, hey, Let's see what happens when we move to Italy. But <laughs> your passion doesn't necessarily have to be moving to Italy. I don't promote that everybody jump in, on a plane. But I do promote, if you love to paint, then start painting. Yeah. And, and one of the things about traveling local with us mm -hmm. is you meet our friends and our people who have looked at for their passion. They've actually left their jobs and pursued their passion, the husband and wife, totally different career path like us. Mm -hmm. And when you're around and our guests are around this every day and they watch Thank these you. people, they're like, wow, they did this. Now they're Look at them. It's, it's amazing how this passion shows. And it's truly one of the things we did not even expect. I call it life changes. Yes. We call, I call us yeah. life changes. We were in a different life. We completely changed our life. And now we're living a really exciting 
life. And we just can't be, I mean, I can't say. Yeah. Passion is really where it is. You yes. have to follow your passion. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Thank you to George and Linda of Really La Cusa and Cook in Tuscany. Um, for more information on La Cusa Boutique Inn and Restaurant, photos from the interview, and an incredible video of the view from La Cusa. (laughs) (laughs) Like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Azuro Dream Travel or visit us at AzuroDreamTravel.com. So, Wanderlusters, Azuro Dream Travel can plan your sustainable trip to Italy by connecting you to small local businesses throughout Italy. Let us help you create your own Italian love story.